Welcome everybody to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the show where four high school friends get together and we talk about what movies we saw the last month, what we recommend, and what you should be looking forward to and what you should be watching. I'm Nick Moffat, I'm in Seattle, Washington, and we're with four of my oldest, dearest friends. Uh, we got Sean Bowlby in Seattle, Washington as well. Hello. Derek Deal in Everett. Hi, Nick. And Brandon Bowlby in New York City. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. So we have kind of a special episode here today, guys. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be kind of crazy, kind of wacko, kind of what have you. Um, Nick, season yeah. three begins. Yeah, oh. this is kind of... This is kind of season three. Yeah, uh, this is this is the official start of season three, I guess. I didn't really think about that. Because this is kind of like an in-between episode a little bit. Because we're not, we're not covering... Um, any months, we're going to do a top 10 of the decade. So this is February uh, 2020. So uh, the Academy Awards have passed. Uh, we did our, our last episode was our top 10 of 2019. And this episode is going to be our top 10 of the decade. So um, next month, we'll kind of get back into the routine of doing February. We'll include movies from February and March. It just kind of was a slow time of the year. And you know, we love doing these lists. You know, what movie person doesn't love doing lists? So, yes, yeah, so we're going to break a good down. List. Yeah, we all love lists. So, um, so yeah, we're going to do our top ten of the decade. Uh, first things first, though, we had a little off-air contest where we all picked the best, uh, not the best picture winner, but what we thought were going to win the Academy Award each nomination. We made picks, and... Uh, the winner was going to have to pick a movie for everyone else to watch, and we were going to talk about it on the podcast. So um, I actually won that contest. It was the first contest that I won that we've had. We've done this in the past. I think Brandon won last year, and um, mm -hmm. we, we do it with Summer Movie Wager as well. Mm -hmm. But I forget. Did anyone pick Parasite to win? No. No? Yeah. No. I, no. I beat you with more picks last year than you did this year, Nick. Nice. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that, but congratulations. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I actually didn't even submit one last year, if I, if I remember correctly. I didn't even, like, I didn't get mm. in time. It was Sean's bachelor party, and I, like, just mm. didn't. I raced home, and then I was, like, too tired to fill it out, yeah. and then all of a sudden the show was on, and I was like, ah. I, I filled mine it. out, hung over on the drive home. Nice. Well, um, anyway, I think we should just dig into it. Um, so anyway, my my pick for the movie that you guys that I forced you guys to watch, I kind of deliberated a little bit. I was thinking I was going to do something pretty weird, but then I kind of scaled it back a little bit. And I was thinking, should I do something that's like directly my taste, or should I pick a a classic that they haven't seen? And um, honestly, I was going to pick Sunset Boulevard, um, mm. but then I looked and mm. Sean had seen it. And I've so seen I was it like, too. You've seen it too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. So I decided against Sunset Boulevard because I didn't. I wanted to pick something you guys hadn't seen. So, mm -hmm. um, so I went with "Do the Right Thing." Uh, you guys can't see it right now, but I'm holding up the Criterion Blu-ray. That's super beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it's Spike Lee's first movie, not first movie. It's like his third movie. Came out in 1989. Um, and uh, man, I just, um, I just th think think this movie is incredible. And you guys haven't seen it, and it's. Black History Month, and it seemed pretty uh, worthwhile to have that be our pick. 
Um, I feel like the only problem with picking it, I mean, maybe we can dig into it. I, I don't know what your guys' thoughts and feelings were about the movie, but I feel like the only problem picking is that it's very much a summertime movie. Like, Holy moly, like like yeah. half of the plot of the movie is just about how hot it is. How people go crazy <laughs> when it's hot out. So <laughs> so much um, sweat. Yeah, so I mean I don't I can't remember how we really dig into this, but um yeah. Well, so, I was really glad you picked this, Nick, because uh I remember it was last year I was going through like a bunch of kind of quintessential New York films. Uh, I watched like Manhattan and Gangs of New York and Ken Burns. New York documentary. I was looking at a lot of lists and this one is like always up top for like Mm -hmm. the best New York city film ever made. And I didn't get around to it then. And man, I'm so glad that I finally saw it. I just watched uh, West side story, which is a a good, good New York movie too. And I hate West side story. Really? Yeah, I hate that movie. I kind of started out not liking it, but it definitely grew on me. It doesn't but make the, any uh, sense. The cross so street that the, the cross street that this like film takes place on doesn't. is not that far from me down in Bedsty. It's like twenty blocks south. Oh, that's of where a place. I live right that's now. what that is. I mean, it's like it's not a real where pizza shop, shot. but like it's um, definitely a specific street. Like oh. there's street signs in there. Yeah, it's a real location. Yeah. It's a real area. Um, Bedsty is a big neighborhood just south of Brooklyn or of yeah. Bushwick. I don't know. Or that's what I meant. Yeah, I didn't know what Bedsty was. I was kind of reading through uh, the Criterion Collection booklet today, and and Spike Lee was very intentional about the place that he picked for for this movie. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I'm sure it's changed a lot. I mean, it's been thirty years um, since this movie came out, so I'm sure the area has changed quite a bit. But that location was also like a huge part of the movie, like just that street. For, for those who haven't seen the movie, I guess I should summarize it real quick. It's it's basically, it's a movie about uh, this area in Brooklyn where um, Spike Lee is the main character and he works at a pizza joint uh, run by this Italian family. and uh, But it's very much a black neighborhood. So all these black people are, are always hanging out at his pizza shop. And uh, at some point, it's super hot. Everyone's like losing their minds. This one guy... Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but his name's like Big Mouth, right? Like it's like it's pretty spot on. Um, But oh yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. And he he complains about how there's no uh, black people on the Italian Hall of Fame that he's got on the wall. Like he's got all these pictures of like John Travolta and Robert De Niro and stuff, and. Um, he's like, you know, we got all these black people hanging out in the store. How come you don't have any people on the wall? And it seems like a pretty small conflict, and it initially is, but then it it turns into this bigger and bigger thing until like everything kind of erupts into into chaos. And um, uh, there are a few things I wanted to bring up after rewatching the movie. Um, how do you guys want to do it? Should I bring up the things I want to talk about, or do you want to chime in with your opinions? Did you say Spike Lee is in the film? Yeah, he's the he's, main character. He's Mookie. he's Mookie. Yeah, he's Mookie. The boy? The main character. Main character. Yeah. No, he's the Italian the- pizza owner. Yeah, he's the main boy. Yeah, <laughs> He's the main yeah, guy. The delivery guy. Not the pizza boy that, guy. like, the kid, but, yeah, he's like... <laughs> Do you know what Spike Lee looks like? He's Mookie. on the cover of the movie. Yeah. 
He's the one that has the kid. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. has. Yeah, oh my, he's, he's so young. That kid yeah. directed this film. Yeah. 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 How yeah. old was he? That's I, that's crazy to hear. Wow. Okay, I did not know that was Spike Lee the whole time. He's a, did a great job in that role. Yeah. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of he's kind of limited. I think there are like some kind of. Uh, amateur aspects of the movie, but I also think the movie completely wears its heart and its style on its sleeve. Like there are so much, like there's so much style in this movie, and Spike Lee puts it all out there. Like that, I think that can be a complaint about Spike Lee, and that he he has a little too much style sometimes. Like if you see like Chai Rock or some of his later movies, he gets a little too too experimental, or he gets a little too out there for for me at least. But um, this movie for me, like he, the style is there, and it's it's wonderful, and it's there are times where it's kind of cartoonish, but also like really really serious sometimes. Like, and I think the key for me of the whole movie is the characters. Like the characters all feel really rich and well developed, and even though you don't get to know too much about any of them, they still um, they still feel very real. Like. The guy radio who's walking they're down the street. They're all very distinct. The, totally, and you know they're they're all kind of like they're all kind of their own thing. Like they've got each one kind of has their own thing going on, but they all very distinct uh, looks and and yeah, very yeah. different personalities. For sure, for all the characters. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I've. Um, I and it's like the movie is clearly mostly about like this racial divide between uh, the black neighborhood and this Italian pizza owner. And he, you know, the the conflict may be small, but it's important to all of them. And, you know, the the guy who owns the pizza place, Sal, he I, I believe that he does love the neighborhood. And he there's a point where he talks about the kid, and how he watched everyone grow up and he's been in the neighborhood for so long. And you could tell he loves his pizza joint, but he definitely also has elements of racism inside of himself and uh the 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 people in the neighborhood they love him too they love his pizza but then you know this one guy who i think everyone kind of knows is an asshole he kind of like stirs up stirs up some trouble and then it just kind of erupts into this like really really sad unfortunate thing that i don't mm-hmm. think we need to get too too much into like exactly what happens but i don't know so what did you guys think did you like the movie Yeah, I wanted to point out something you said, like there's you mentioned that it's like a a really small, mundane problem, like the the, um, that he doesn't have any African-American famous people on his wall. It's a a small issue like that they kind of talk about throughout the movie until that like subtle racism uh, that's been swirling around through the whole movie until that's not. A small problem anymore and I think that's the really interesting thing about the movie like it's small until it blows up in everyone's face because no one's really doing anything about it and no one's really addressing it and just kind of letting it go I thought that was to me uh, such an interesting way to to I guess um, yeah structure the movie <clears throat> yeah absolutely I agree with that Bugging out, like I'm sorry, I had to look it up. The guy's name is Bugging Out, who, <laughs> yeah. who stirs up all the trouble, you know. <laughs> and uh, seems pretty spot on. He's certainly bugging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy is Gus Fring from 
uh, Breaking Bad. Was it really? What? Yeah. Oh, I my just, goodness. Yeah. yeah, he's, like, super young. Wow. wow. Yeah, there's a lot of... Just about everyone in this movie, or not everyone, but, like, there's so many of them were... I, I recognized from other things. Right, well, you got, like, Martin Lawrence, who's, mm-hmm. like, who yep. basically doesn't have a role. He just is the guy... He's just, he's just the kid. He's just the kid who's who opens the fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got... Yeah. Um, I, I'm blanking on his name, but you got um, the guy from The Sopranos, Phil Leotardo from The mm-hmm. Sopranos, who's the Italian guy who's like, hey, don't spray me with that fire hydrant. Martin Lawrence yeah. is like, yeah. hey, I won't spray you. And then he, he uh, sprays him. <laughs> John Turturro. Totally. Major role. Sam Jackson. Yeah, he's um, the radio DJ. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then like even, um, I forget what his name, but the, the um, commissioner from from the wire and yeah, just, I felt like most of these people I've, the people in the movie I, I recognize from other things, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. Absolutely. This movie really reminded me of, um, in a lot of ways of like how SLC punk looks and feels. Um, mm. it just really reminded me of like someone just picking up the camera, okay. showing up on, on set, and just trying so hard to make each scene just like have something funky going on and to keep like the pace mm-hmm. moving. Have an energy. Um, yeah, just a lot of energy. Like just put some awesome camera movement um, or some great music. Just like there's always something unique happening mm-hmm. in each scene, even if it doesn't necessarily stylistically relate to what was going on before. Like I think one of my, one of my favorite things, I think this has become a signature, um, Spike Lee, a moment, but is when he like completely st- breaks the fourth wall and just starts showing people monologuing. Mm-hmm. And it's like right halfway through the movie, he goes up to like I think six people from all oh, the different yeah. kind of like walks of yeah, life through this film yeah. and just shows them saying the most vile hatred shit possible um, to another one of those like groups of people. Mm-hmm. And it's like this four minute scene and it's just like kind of hard to just watch these people. Um, but yeah, it totally breaks the fourth wall and it's just like really powerful moment yeah. like that. Yeah. And Honestly, that, like, go ahead. There's go also ahead. that scene where radio Raheem is like shadow boxing into, mm-hmm. into the camera and yeah, he's about got like, hate. yeah, he's got love and hate on his hands and he's like talking about how love and hate coexist and, you know, throughout most of the movie, he's like a really po- like he seems like a positive guy, but like I don't know, I just I loved that monologue. And then, mm-hmm. but what was funny about that scene too, though, was then the camera kind of pulls out, and he's actually doing that at Spike Lee, like at the. <laughs> uh-huh. at, um, but you know, Sean, what were yeah, you gonna say? Yeah, I, I uh, like the opening uh, <clears throat> dance montage of this movie. I was just like, I already fucking love this movie. Oh like, yeah, just just like. The music and the the like amateur but like really cool dancing and I don't know like in the style of it, it was just like I already love it. This is already so fun, right? And uh, I was sold from from that point on. Could I could I say throw out one of my favorite like subtle moments? Um, had to do with the three people on lawn chairs. Um, again, I think this is about halfway through the movie. I th- they're like watching some of the younger kids do some really like stupid shit. And they're just sitting back, like, shouting at them to, like, 
get a job, you like you fucking lazy piece of shit and like swearing at these kids. Um, and then the other guy like t- starts telling the, their third friend starts telling them to shut up and like t- asking them what they've done with their life and what like what they've, they've been sitting on their ass in those lawn chairs day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And then at the same moment, some really hot girl walks by on the sidewalk and all of them get distracted just to start booty calling, like hollering at this girl as she walks by. Mm-hmm. And it's like this perfect mess of like opinions and everyone thinking they're right and just like while being, I don't know, disgusting themselves and mm-hmm. it was it was really great. Yeah, and those are kind of recurring themes of the movie, too, where um, I know there are a few moments where characters tell uh, um, tell Spike Lee's character to to grow up or to act like a man. Like, those are two mm-hmm. things that, like, come up a few times, and it seems like he's stuck doing neither of those things. <laughs> he's just <laughs> kind of... Um, it seems like throughout the whole movie, he's, like, stuck in between making money, being a father, not wanting to do either of the things, kind of wanting to just hang out, but then also stuck between like his job and, you know, his, his race. And he's just stuck in the middle of a lot of different things. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the ending in detail? For this old movie, <laughs> yeah. Um, movie I mean, yeah, we can do we can do spoilers morning. for like just like a minute or like five minutes or like yeah, just. All right. Good question. Do you think that um, Spike Lee's character threw the garbage can on purpose? On purpose. Or, sorry, uh, not on oh, purpose. Do you think he threw the garbage can to kind of save? Um, his uh, Italian pizza owner friend. Oh, I didn't from I didn't get like that the mob that. killing, destroying them. Or uh, did he do that because he was actually pissed off and wanted them to go down? Um, There's a lot of weird of, stuff because he like sits on the sidewalk after and just kind of stares and like isn't a part of it, and it's kind of out of character for him at that moment in a little bit of a way. What I got from that is that he came to a point where he felt that he had to choose sides and he's not that kind of guy that chooses sides, but like, because he's like so emotionless when he does it, he just kind of walks over and picks it up and then everyone else is like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Everyone's mm-hmm. freaking out. And he just throws it through there and then that's all he does. That's like his whole involvement in the entire incident really. Right. So yeah, it kind of felt he, like uh, like I'm choosing my race because I'm going to stick with these guys no matter what. But I don't really. It didn't look like he really felt like that was the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like I, it I, kind there, of felt like he was, was maybe making a stand. He, but do you think he did the right thing? Probably mm, not. Who me? Any of us, yeah. I, I, I don't think he did the right thing, but yeah, you know, no. I kind of believe in de-escalation. You know, I mean, that the, mm-hmm. the whole thing got escalated out of out of control, and it, it was really sad to see it all happen. Um, Which those quotes at the end, I mean, were just really poignant. And if, yeah, if it couldn't be any more obvious, the Martin Luther King and Malcolm X quote, mm-hmm. um, along with the picture that was finally put up of the yeah. two of them actually shaking hands and coming together, even yeah. with their mm-hmm. opposite viewpoints. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I just watched this movie like an hour and a half ago, so I'm, I'm still very much processing it. <laughs> I'm really glad you got us to watch this, though, Nick. This yeah, has been one too. of those things that I've been told my whole life, you know. It's just one of those movies you got to see. It's always on lists everywhere and just never, ever got... I've like seen so few Spike Lee films for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, really I kind of feel... Got to watch this one. I kind of feel like Spike Lee doesn't get the credit he deserves a little bit. You know, I mean, he he he's a legendary director, and I th- I think it's because he's made a f- few stinkers, and uh, like a bunch of movies that like people don't really talk about. But he's also made like a handful of like bona fide classics, and um, like Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, like both of those are classics, and. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know if people like really talk about him or like seek out his movies as much as I think mm. people should. But I mean, this movie's like the filmmaking behind it, like shouldn't be understated. Like it's incredibly like creative and just like every second of this movie is so the shot of the girl well etching crafted. on the sidewalk and the camera mm. like above yeah. as he just walks by with the pizza. That was yeah. just so it's crazy. like, after that, it really helps put into perspective because I've heard, you know, he's been, you've, I've heard his name my whole life, but I've never really ha- seen like movies that have really sold me on why he's this director that's been acclaimed for so long. And so, yeah, it's just really cool to see this done so masterfully and so, and so entertaining. It's just like, this is just everything you want in a movie. And yeah, I mean, that's why it's stood the test of time, you know. People Absolutely. still reference this movie and stuff. So, yeah, good pick. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. cool. Well, I'm glad you guys watched it. I'm glad you all liked it. Um, if you get, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, uh, it's do the right thing. Uh, it's a classic, 1989. Spike Lee. Uh, seek it out. Go watch it. It's it's a good movie. Uh, it's a great movie. So, um, but with that, you know, I think we should just move on. Uh, we gotta do our top tens of the decade and. You know, I have no idea what's on any of your guys' lists. So, um, not a clue. I think, I think we need to just dig into I'm it. S- so curious. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's fucking um, do it. <clears throat> real hey. quick, um, what's Are, the order here? Um, same order. Let's do Brandon, Derek, Sean, Nick. Just because that's what we had before. Okay. That, cool. Are we punting to... if that comes up? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. we are punting. Okay. Brandon, Derek, Sean, Nick. Okay. So, uh, should we just get going? Top 10 of the decade. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, my God. Brandon, you want to go first? Start us off. Guys, this list was so crazy to make. <laughs> my God. It's only 10 um, years. I got stressed out, and I didn't expect it to get this, like, heated for me when I was putting it together. <laughs> um, pretty amazing. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Uh, so, my number 10 is, to me, uh, the greatest documentary I've ever seen in my Ooh. life, and it's called oh. The Act of Killing. Hmm. Uh, this is a 2012 film. It follows uh, the the heads of uh, like 1960s Indonesian genocide. A lot of the perpetrators who carried out hundreds and hundreds of these killings. Um, it follows them like 20 years after, and a documentary crew goes in and has them recreate some of the scenes of their killing hmm. in very interesting ways. And what comes out of following these mass murderers is just one of the most remarkable and vile things you could possibly experience. Um, but this documentary just shows how uh, far you can push the genre. So the act of killing. 
Wow. I remember nice. when you guys were freaking out about this. It sounds really scary. Yeah, it'll change your life. <laughs> it's so intimidating. <laughs> Um, great. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, great pick, Brandon. Uh, the Act of Killing. Uh, Derek, what's your number 10? <laughs> yeah, my li- Brandon's, I feel like Brandon's going to hate my list. <laughs> well, um. the, thing is, the thing is, I feel like I feel like this is going to be crazy. Like, we just have to yeah. accept yeah. it's going to be crazy. I feel like Brandon is going to be on his own for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. No offense, Brandon, <laughs> yeah. but, like, you're going to be on your own so. for like, most really, of Really, Brandon, already with that? <laughs> yeah, like, number 10 is a foreign film documentary. Like, Brandon's on his own, About guys. Genocide. He's on island. But, um, Derek, I think me and you are going to have some similarities, but I know I'm going to be out there with a lot of these, too. So, yeah. you know, so... Um, All right. Sean's going to be All the right. one that's going to fill in the gaps, I think, and mm. kind of formulate our, our total top 10. Which, by the way, Sean, are you keeping track of that? Yep, yep, I got it. Wonderful. So, uh, cool. So, Derek, what's your number 10? All right. My number 10 is Logan. Ooh, nice. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's an X-Men movie, and it's amazing. I don't, I've returned to it a couple times. I've probably seen it like four times already, and um, it's just so goddamn good. <laughs> I don't know. It's like kind of like a weird Western take yeah. on like the final, you know, act of Wolverine. And um, I just think it's really cleverly done. It's really heartwarming, heartbreaking. And um, it, it kind of it brings me back to like. I mean, this is just like a personal thing, but just movies that I'd seen when I was younger that were like. Like last time I watched this, I was like, how old will my son need to be before I'll let him watch this movie? Because like, it's horrifying at parts. Like the violence is just so disturbing. It's so like emotionally upsetting. Um, and I, I can remember a handful of movies seeing those things as a kid where they're just like shocking, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Last time I watched it, that, that just all like came up when I was watching it and, um, but yeah, it's really, really good. James Mangold and it's, um, uh, what's his name? Hugh Jackman's last outing is Wolverine. It's so. mm-hmm. <clears throat> my number yeah. See how many Marvel films are on this, uh, yeah. out of these yeah. films. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, good, good pick Derek Logan. Um, yeah. number 10, uh, Sean, what's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Punt. All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. First punt. Uh, cool. Well, Ooh. my number 10, my number 10 is Her. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, came mm-hmm. out in 2013. Spike Jonesy film um, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And um, it's a movie about um, kind of artificial intelligence and uh, but through through the phone. And to me, I love this movie because it takes a really uh, realistic sci-fi concept that you could totally imagine happening in the world. Kind of feels like we're halfway there, and um, he falls in love with um, with with his real person that's on the phone. And she, at first, you kind of don't believe it, but then she totally is a real person and um it goes in some really interesting directions and i feel like it has it says a lot about relationships and loneliness and expanding the universe and um yeah i just i just love this movie 
So, um, yeah, that's my number 10. Her. Fucking Arcade Fire score, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, what's your number nine? All right. My, my number nine is a guaranteed punt here for me, guys. Uh, but this this is Terrence Malick's masterpiece, The Tree of Life. Yeah, punt. Any other punts? Do we need to keep track if there's uh, any other punts? I'm just curious. No, not necessarily. Um, so, Derek, what's your number Gosh, nine? so quiet. What's going on? My, <laughs> I'm typing. <laughs> my number Quietly. nine is uh, Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room. Ooh, nice. nice. Good pick. Love it. Awesome pick. I was just talking about that movie with my friend today on the hike. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's just like, good God. The movie, like, it's a really awesome movie. It's like the most punk rock movie. <laughs> um, it's just it's just so good. It's so, it's hard to like compare it to like, I don't know, masterful films of the last decade. But for me, it's just one of those movies that really is unforgettable. And, um, you know, I've watched it multiple times. It's one of those movies that I always bring up when I'm, whenever we delve into like talking about horror or something like that with people that, I'm trying to get to like watch different movies. Green Room's always one of the first movies I recommend. And uh, and it really is just like a masterful like thriller. It's so freaking intense. And um, yeah. I think Green Room is one of, if not the best thriller or horror movie that's not anything supernatural or like right. cannibals. You know, it's just right. like, it's just regular people in a extremely terrifying situation. Right. Masterfully mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to move this along. So, uh, Sean, what's yeah. your number number nine? My number nine is Blade Runner 2049. All right. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Surprise. Um, yeah. This, I mean, this movie is just like, just a masterpiece on so many levels. Uh, um, Denis Villeneuve, it's just he has such an incredible control over his material and what he's doing on a scene to scene basis. And like when I saw this movie, I walked out of it and I I thought to myself, like every single scene in that movie, I was looking at something I had never seen before in film. And like it's so creative and interesting and it does such a great job of adapting the source material you know, I think it it should go down in history as one of the great sequels. Um, you know, right alongside uh, Aliens and and uh, you Godfather, know, the Godfather Part Two. Like, I mean, this it's a movie that like really elevates the original and and stands on its own. And um, yeah, it's just it's an incredible film. And um, the look, the 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 pacing, the tone, the the um, you know what it it's commentary, what it says about humanity and, and our future. And, um, yeah, I just think it's such a fascinating movie and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it really stands out in my head. Awesome. Love it. Good. Yeah. I just I'm watched glad. that movie for my first time. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty so curious. We'll hear Villanov's name again. <laughs> 
I'm uh, this is so much fun. I just all these movies is like, oh man, I wish that was on my list. <laughs> you know, but um, like it seems yeah, like like so. every one so far is like, oh man, like uh, that's that's on my top thirty or whatever. But you know, there's it's a, it was a really good decade and uh, yeah. Anyway, it's my number nine was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Mm. Uh, came out in 2012. Um, I love this movie because everyone was expecting it to be like this big Scientology movie and like a takedown of Scientology. And it, it turned out to not be that at all. Instead, it was a um, character study about how something like Scientology gets started and how how someone could have an idea and how they can use the idea to manipulate other people and get inside people's heads and and make a movement happen. It was more about these guys, these flawed individuals, and how they put pieces together and and kind of how it snowballed into, into a bigger thing. And um, I just thought it was like a fascinating look at how that happens. And not to mention, it's like Paul Thomas Anderson, so it's super gorgeous. Every shot is just beautiful um the acting is just fantastic and i just realized i have two joaquin phoenix movies back to back which is fine but uh <laughs> he's like so great and uh yeah. you have the late great philip seymour hoffman who's mm. also fantastic in this movie and amy adams who's amazing like it just it's to me such a great movie and um yeah that's why it's been number nine Awesome. Yeah. Brandon, number yeah. eight. My number eight is David Fincher's The Social Network. Punt. Punt. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> figured. Oh totally figured. Okay, cool. This is great. This is great. I just, we got to keep this moving because we could have potentially up to, like, before it started, we could have had up to you know, uh, 40 movies to talk about. And it's great when there's punts because that means we're moving it along. But, uh, boy, uh, it's just also really exciting. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, Social Network. Anyway, uh, Derek, what's your number eight? My number eight is Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. <gasps> oh! Punt. Oh! oh. oh. Whoa, Sean. Sean with two Villeneuve. Two Villeneuve. Double Villeneuve. Does anyone have Sicario? Sicario's my favorite Villeneuve. Yeah. I I think you like Sicario the most out of all of us. Yeah, I do. But maybe not. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. Who knows? Yeah, he's all right. Um, Where are we at? Sean, what's your number eight? All right. My number eight is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, Nice. Uh, yeah, this was my number one movie of the year, of that year. Um, it's, as most of these movies were, that's nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, this movie, it just like kind of had everything for me. It was a super interesting plot, had a lot to say. It was funny. It was sad. It made me cry. It like made me like fall in love with the characters and, and, um, it, it has such a, an incredible cast, um, and it's so cleverly written. Um, that screenplay. Yeah, it was, it's just on every level worked brilliantly for me. Um, and like, as I said on the, at the time, um, it like, 
where that movie ends is just so, so crazy to me. Like you, I would never have thought like it would end up where it, where it did from where it began. And it's like, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what he does with all of his movies is, is he like, and that's actually kind of what seven psychopaths is. I believe his previous movie to three billboards was all about like making a movie. That's not about what the movie is like what the kind of movie it is. And so it's like, it, it takes all these interesting turns and just like, you know, your assumptions about every single character is shattered and, um, you love a character and then you hate a character and then you, you are okay with a character, you know, like, and, um, it's yeah, it, it, uh, breaks so many expectations. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just, it uh, it still stands out to me, um, <clears throat> as one of the more interesting stories, uh, of the decade. It definitely is. It's a good yeah. pick. Nice. Cool. Great choice, Sean. I, uh, I figured you'd feel this in there. I'm glad you did. Mm. Um, my number eight is the cabin in the woods. Oh Ooh. wow! Oh, whoa! So um, that's one yeah, of those movies I, that I, or I'll tell you after you go. Go, <laughs> it's your movie. Well, so. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I I knew I had to put a horror movie on here. It was kind of weird making this list because uh, you know it's like you could do the simple way and just like pick your top movie from every year that. That, it, that we've done this and slide it in there. But I, I've never had a horror movie at number one. And it, so does that mean like horror movies shouldn't go in the top 10? But horror has been such a huge, huge like category of movie for me this last decade. Like this is kind of the, the decade where I became like a f- huge fan of horror movies. And I kind of feel like Cabin Woods kind of kicked it off. And even though Cabin in the Woods isn't really that scary, it's more of a comedy in my opinion. But it totally dissects all of the horror tropes and it goes through why we like horror and what horror means to a greater scale. And, uh, and just, there are surprises, there are twists and turns. And of course there's the, the shocking moment that is unbelievable. I couldn't even imagine how shot like the moment and how, something like that could happen in cinema and that kind of thing just still to this day gets me so excited and um re-watching this movie it still is fantastic it holds up completely and uh, yeah i just i just love this movie and so you know i had to I had to put it on there i had to have this be my horror movie for 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 the decade so that's my number eight the cabin in the woods Derek, what were you gonna say good about? pick Oh, I was just going to say, that's one of those movies that I love so much. I've seen so many times. It, like, came up when I was making the list, but I was like, I don't even know how to judge this movie fairly. It's just, like, one of my all-time favorite movies. I don't know yeah. if I'm, like, allowed to put it on the list. Or... It's your list. You <laughs> You've can do seen whatever it you want. Too many times. Like, I've seen it, like, ten times. It's so good. But... Mm. All right. Good. So, um, yeah, what is... Yeah. Uh, so we're going... We're Brandon, what is your number... number seven. Uh, Number seven. All right, Sean, I hope you have my back here. Um, <laughs> my number seven is Beasts of the Southern Wild. Mm, no, sorry, Brandon. <laughs> nope. Okay. I have your back, um, though. 
<laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, this movie came out in 2012. I think this is by far the smallest movie um, I have, and even like my top 20. Uh, it's like under like $2 million budget. <clears throat> Anyways, this movie follows this like seven-year-old uh, girl. Vengeance Wallace. An amazing actress. And um, didn't she get nominated this, for an Academy yeah, Award for that? Yeah, yeah, for best uh, for best female actor. And awesome. uh, it takes place in this like weird fictional world of Louisiana, um, in this place called the Bathtub, where the levees are like kind of flooding and global warming is uh, causing a lot of these people's like weird um, boat houses and tree houses to go underwater. Um, anyways, it spirals a conflict with this little girl on her own. She goes on a an adventure and this director is just absolutely insanely imaginative and creative and the score alone in this film like gets it halfway there for me because uh every time i see it it just like jazzes me up so much um it's one of the few scores like i'll just pop open on spotify and get super into um but yeah this this movie i think was one of the first like big top 10 lists i made um, earlier in the decade, and this was number one on it, so I was pretty obsessed with it. Thanks. Yeah, I I saw this movie only once a long time ago when it came out in theaters, and I don't remember a ton about it aside from you know obviously Quavenjane Wallace was amazing, um, but I, like the one thing I do remember is just bawling my eyes out, and <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any movie that that can do that to me is um, yeah is definitely up there. Great. Um, yeah. Checks out, Brandon. I'm, it makes mm-hmm. sense you had this on here. You were like the, the big supporter of this movie. You were. Mm-hmm. Was it your number one of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My and, buddy uh, Wendy's on coming that out like next month, I think. Uh, the yeah. follow up. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it took so long for. Who's the, what's the director's name? Um, that person? Uh, I just minimized the tab. Sorry. Oh. Um, stand by, stand by. <laughs> in Wendy's. Uh, ben Zetlin. Bina Zetlin. Zetlin. Yep. Anyways, that's Very a unique anyways. director. He did do a movie, Brimstone and Glory. Is that. Um, he's done a. It looks like he has done a couple things since then. Okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. Well, anyway, so Derek, what is your number seven? My number seven movie of the decade is Avengers Endgame. Great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Uh, I don't know what it, what needs to really be said about this movie. It's incredible. Uh, we just talked about it a bunch on our last episode. But uh, yeah, I think it's... One of the best superhero movies ever made. It'll probably hold that spot for a very, very long time. So. Yeah. I, yeah, Derek. Sorry, I didn't put it on there. I just, uh, no, I don't know. I champion, I championed it on the last, uh, on the last <laughs> list that we made, and yeah. um, I just, the, the decade and was too you tight. Turned your back when it really yeah. mattered, Nick. <laughs> what matters? What do you mean? It. Um, it. Okay. <laughs> Sean, what's your number eight? <laughs> or seven? seven. Uh, it's seven. Oh, we're on seven. Yes. But correct. my seven is 1917. Oh. 
your number um, one of last year. Yeah. You guys, how the hell do you even compare movies? <laughs> right. You don't. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, you just don't. You just kind of make it up. But it's like yeah, I'm comparing I mean, this movie that I that I loved this year to, like, the social network that I haven't seen since... I don't know, 2015 or something. Hmm. I saw <laughs> 1970 this month. Um, but yeah. Full uh, <laughs> shot by the same guy. <laughs> oh, really? That's cool. It was, yeah, yeah. Was it? All right, cool. Um, yeah, actually, it was. Um, yeah, anyways. <laughs> uh, 1917. It's, yeah, it's an incredible piece of filmmaking. Um, it's the, it's a, the feat itself, uh, just blows my mind. Um, and then on top of that, it's such an emotional, insane journey. Um, almost like on the scale of Lord of the Rings in a lot of ways. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's so powerful. And, um, and, and I think like they gave you just enough of every aspect of this movie to make the whole thing work. And I really think, um, you know, like w- what Sam Mendes has said is like, he had to make every decision, every editing decision, every like story decision on set the day of, you know, he couldn't because, because you couldn't like trim out scene, a scene, you couldn't cut out pieces. You couldn't just like, Oh, this scene isn't really moving the story forward. Let's, let's get rid of it. Um, he had to make all those decisions on the day. And I think what, because of that pressure, what, what came out is an extremely concise and like very, um, economical film and like everything he was trying to do with it, with the movie is like, it's just enough. Um, no more, no less. And it works so well, um, in, how that builds to the climax and to the ultimate like message of the film. Um, and it's, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's just incredible, uh, an incredible film. Hell yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's yeah. my seven. Good, good pick, Sean. Yeah. Uh, a little surprised it wasn't higher, but you know, great pick. Mm. Um, what's going to be on the rest of your list? Holy movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So my, my number seven is, uh, Pixar's Inside Out. Oh, whoa, 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 Nick. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> whoa, just, get out. No. So to me, Inside Out is the best Pixar movie of the decade. Um, even though Toy Story has firmly etched itself as one of my favorite series of all time, like three and four came out, also came out this decade, and both of those are amazing. Inside Out to me is doing something extremely special and that no other movie has ever really been able to do. Um, it's just such a creative concept to have um, emotions as characters living inside a, a person's head. And I honestly believe that this movie should be taught to um, elementary school kids. Like this should be part of a curriculum to talk about empathy and um and why we need all of our emotions, you know, like it, it's all about um, feeling truly what you're feeling and not trying to um, 
just be happy for the sake of being happy. Like it's, it's important to, to really, um, explore and feel everything you're feeling. And, um, the movie has, has a lot to say, um, for adults and parents and for children. And it's a really awesome journey that they go on. You care about the characters. I mean, happy voiced by Amy Poehler is Enjoy. super wonderful, but she's also kind of an asshole. And, um, <laughs> she, she, uh, it's just, just the way, and just the way the movie plays out. It's just an amazing journey with a lot to say about real human conditions. And, um, there's also yeah. some really heartbreaking moments and it's also a coming of age story. Love this movie. I absolutely love yeah. it. So I feel like, yeah, uh, that's very sure. kind of almost topical for like these types of lists, like all these movies that we love so much, like they break our hearts. Like, and part of the reason why we love them is because they make us feel all these uncomfortable emotions, um, that, in real life kind of scare us or, or don't feel as good as they do when you're watching it in a, you know, kind of in a safe movie environment. Like it's, you can express these feelings. So like, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good pick. Yeah. Gone through, uh, number seven. So we're at number six. So Brandon kick us off. I'm nervous. Nick, this is where it starts the series of movies uh, that he doesn't enjoy, like actually dislikes <laughs> from here for a while. Oh, um, what? So my number six film is uh, Loveless. Um, this, this movie was my number one pick for 2017. It's a Russian film about a, a couple divorcing couple who have no love for each other lose their child one day um, and the search for him in the following month. Uh, what I can say about this movie is in a very unflashy way, this movie is so jaw droppingly meticulous in every single aspect. And I just remember like in awe at the control that this uh, director, Andre Zimgostiv has on screen in every single shot. Um, there is just some remarkable moments that can just slide by without you noticing if you're not paying too much attention on what he's doing uh, with cinema. And so that's why I'm in love with it. So that's my in number six love is Loveless. Loveless. Mm-hmm. I was I was really uh, curious if you were going to put that on here. I was actually talking to a, li- a listener of our show uh, today. Uh, I was telling them that we were going to record it, and you know we were kind of talking about different different movies that might be on our lists, and uh, he was asking if there were going to be like movies that we're like championing that might um, you know not like huge blockbusters, but like you know smaller movies that we're hoping. And I was kind of telling him about how I think your list is going to be like so different like you're gonna have a lot of foreign films on there and i was like i wonder if he's gonna put loveless on there i hate that movie so much (laughs) that might be one of my least favorite movies of all time and uh i love i'm not gonna spoil it right now but i love telling people about it because i love spoiling it for people because i actively don't want people to watch it so um because i think it's so so upsetting you haven't seen it though right i have not seen it. but derek has so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to be. I, I I'm sorry to be so negative, Rand. I don't mean. I, I, I guess I kind of mean to be, but uh, I shouldn't say I don't mean to be because clearly I'm speaking with my mouth. You're trying to be. Um, negative. 
But um, I hope you guys see it. Yeah. I've always been pretty open about that. But um, anyway, uh, your list is true to you. So uh, I'm glad that you have it on there because it's very true to your uh, your taste. So I know um, you've been a fan of that director for a long time. Like you had us watch Leviathan, which was one of his films also, right? Yeah. yeah. I like Levi- I like Leviathan. I think Leviathan's great. But um, yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, Derek, what's your number six? Six. Six, I'm sorry. What's your number six, Derek? My number six is uh, the man of the year, Bong Joon-ho, Parasite. Ooh. Ooh. Punt. Ooh. Nice. Doop. When you said Bong Joon-ho, I wasn't sure which one you were going to say first. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you were going to have a few of his on here. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what is your number six? My number six is Shoplifters. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, this movie, like every once in a while, this movie will just kind of pop into my head and I, it, I'll just get like choked up just like in my normal everyday life. And uh, I'll have to like stop for a second and re- recompose myself. And um, yeah, it's... um. It's a very small film. It's very nuanced and very subtle. Um, but it's such an interesting look at this family. And I feel like there's so much going on um, with what the movie's saying and what it's doing with its characters. Um, and it's and it's like, for, for the most part, the movie is really beautiful and, and very... Um, um, very enjoyable to watch. Like these, the kids are so cute and the family is so, um, so loving and, um, such like, it's such a joy to be around. Um, and they have, uh, like these really poignant, beautiful moments, uh, as a family. And it's, um, it just like, I mean, I don't really want to, say too much but like it it's it's like it has really high highs and it has really low lows and but i think ultimately it really is a message of hope and um an attempt to show the beauty of of uh life and um and the people in it uh even though there there's a lot of struggle and sadness and um yeah um, and yeah, I think ultimately it's, a, it's about finding love and finding people who love you and, and loving other people. So yeah, it's, um, it was also my, uh, another number one of the year and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it sticks with me for sure. Great, great pick, pick, Sean. Uh, great pick. I still haven't seen it. I really want to. No. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Kelly still hasn't seen it, uh, and I've been meaning to get her on that for a while. So yeah. maybe we could uh, team up there. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, let's make a night of it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, my number six is uh, 2017's Baby Driver. Yes. Nice. Yes. So, um, Good pick. Oh. 
Yeah, I mean, I I love this movie. Um, I was just in love with everything about this movie. Turns out I love car movies. I'm not super into cars in real life, but a movie about driving. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I just get so into it. And like the the, the action and the way this movie, this movie moves is just so exciting. It's like it's like an action fairy tale and uh, with cars and bad guys and just it's just it's just exciting. I just, and the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks ever. It inspires me to listen to music. It 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 just is wonderful. I just think this movie is wonderful, top to bottom. Um, I I can't get enough of it. Um, some of the best driving I've ever seen. Uh, so yeah. yeah, that's that's my number set. That's my number six. Nice. Yeah, yeah those movies definitely put Scott Pilgrim in my top yeah. twenty. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, too. Edgar Wright, yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm so excited for some of his upcoming projects. Mm-hmm. What's it called? I don't even remember. But yeah. Last Night in Soho, I think. Yeah, Last this Night is in Soho. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, okay, so cool. Uh, we're, at, we're in the top five now. So we're, we're moving to the top five. I oh, wonder boy. if there's going to be any... Like I feel like this is where like there really should be more punts. Like I wonder I if like so. the cream of the crop rises to the top with this one. You know, like I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's gonna be more punts. I kind of feel like there should oh, be, but it could be anything. Um, so uh, I think there will be. So let's let's get into it. So Brandon, what is your number five? All right, again, sorry Nick, <laughs> but my number five is my number one film of 2015. Uh, called Victoria. Ooh. Oh, yes. This is so close to getting on my list, too. Oh, damn, Nick. I don't know why you're saying sorry. <laughs> like, it's not, I don't, I don't hate this movie. I don't, I just didn't like it as much as you guys. Like, I, this wasn't and a movie you gave where it I was like, like two stars. Did I really? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah I think you did, Nick. Oh, wow. Like that's, right. that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did back um, in the day, but. Okay. Yeah, this is my number I'm one sorry. film. <laughs> No worries. Uh, this is my number one film. Uh, this is a German, like, kind of thriller. Um, French? It's the gimmick to it, the honest gimmick to it, is it is a full-on two-hour and 15-minute single-shot movie. No cuts, no CGI, no hidden anything. And he got actors to follow through dawn of this one day. They shot it three different mornings, and they picked the second one, and that's the film that you see. And what ends up unfolding throughout this two hours is the most insane, spectacular choreography of camera work and staging you could ever imagine. Um, Not to mention, there's at least two moments where I was crying in this film, I was gasping, and it just has absolutely everything on top of that gimmick. So Victoria is my number five film. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it, it kind of started off a little bit slow and I don't think I really even knew what, what the movie was like, or, or what it was going to, or even what genre it was, you know? Um, but yeah, man, once it takes that turn, it is intense. Uh, it's a wild ride for the, what, like second half of the movie or yeah, it's, it's, it's last incredible. Third for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really good pick, Brandon. This was like right there on the edge of my list too. I've been looking at just like the cover of the movie all day. Like, does it does it get on there? Uh, so good though. Yeah, I, that's it's, this is another movie that I recommend to people all the time. Yeah. I rarely find anyone that'll watch it, but <laughs> this is one of those movies where really because 1917 yeah, the, was so huge, this movie should be talked about more. You know, like, like I mean, 1917 is is not really one shot, and it's super gorgeous. But it's like, oh, you like 1917's thing, you know, you should tr- you should try Victoria how and see how it it's done without you know the mm-hmm. the uh, the CG and the pretend cuts. Oh, I think he said pretend cats. That's <laughs> that's what I heard. I didn't hear anything else. I have no idea what Nick said other it's than the reference. 1917, but without all the cats. Just silent, silent, silent. What cats? Great. <laughs> um, right. Cool. Well, Derek, what's your Derek. number five? All right. My number five is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yeah, which was Sean's number... That Nine. was my number 10. 10? 10. Yep. Yeah. Um, I know we spoke about this movie a lot already, too, on this podcast. This was my number one, I think, of 2018. I think maybe someone else's. I can't remember. But uh, it's just one of the most gorgeous animated movies I've ever seen. And I think that's a pretty universal thing that people just like it just garnered so much love just for how stylistic and like, uh, experimental it was and like creating all, like almost a whole new animation style for this movie, uh, on top of bringing Miles Morales to screen for the first time in like a really solid, like from beginning to end storyline that is really exciting, tons of character work, um, some heartbreaking moments, um, it's just full, full of like a really great cast and just it's the best Spider-Man movie. And um, the fact that it came to us in this form uh, is just really, really cool. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's such a great like turn from, um, you know, Sony's amazing Spider-Man series and into like making such an interesting and bold decision. And uh, yeah, I feel like it, it, you know, it, it having a $90 million budget, it's like, that's not a, that's not a small feat. Like that's, that's a big yeah. risk that they took on this movie and it, it paid off for sure. And I'm, I hope they keep going on these types of movies. Keep yeah, taking that sure. risk. I think they're making a sequel yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would expect it's our third too. Marvel movie on the, uh, on our decade list. Mm. Yep. Yep third marvel movie on derek's mm-hmm. list on my list oh, yeah. <laughs> oh derek's specifically <laughs> <laughs> how many all from three different be? companies though right very true yeah, that's true very fox, true. fox at the time Disney, this is sony at the time and yep. and marvel yeah. studios i do think it's like pretty uh, uh the, what you said about it being gorgeous it's it's it invented a new style of animation mm-hmm. which you know goes super far like that's yeah it's amazing yeah Yeah. i'm glad you guys have it so high i wish i could have fit it on there um sean what's your number five my number five is zero dark 30 oh wow wow good for Um, you that was in my top 20 yeah 
Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, man, this movie is so good. It's so well written. And like you just you feel like you're in the hands of someone who put in so much time research and research for this film. Um, it's such an interesting story. And, you know, I, I haven't personally done the research, but it it feels so uh, accurately portrayed. You know, I'm sure there's there's liberties taken, but, you know, this is um, this is such an interesting story. Um, and to have uh, someone uh, so much at the co- center of it um, to carry the story along from beginning to end is so fascinating to me. And, <clears throat> um, you know, the movie has so many twists and turns and it's it's doing so many different things. Like the whole last half hour is basically a completely different movie from the first two hours or so and um it never uh drops in intensity um and it's you know it's it's like a predominantly dialogue driven movie um throughout that uh is is so intense it's like, like there's very few movies that are so dialogue driven for me that that reach this level of intensity um and yeah, it's just, it's Catherine Bigelow, um, and her co-writer are such good writers. I feel like, especially for this type of subject matter. Um, and she's such a great director for this type of subject as you know, she also did, um, um, her locker. Hurt locker and like that type of, uh, yeah, I guess really intense war, modern warfare type movie. But this one kind of has like a, I guess, an espionage um, twist to it. But yeah, it's, it's um, uh, yeah, it's such a, a good movie that, that um, and like the, the ending of that movie really sticks with me. And um, it makes know, me nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> It is yeah. so intense. It makes me sick to my stomach. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, it's very <laughs> like very topical. It has a lot to say. It's um, yeah. Um, Do you know, is the, are the, the myth true that they like pretty much the second half of the movie, they like kind of wrote really quick and like, cause like they're filming the movie when mm. all that actually happened in real life. And then they're Could like, be. we have that, to put this in the movie. That did come out like, like yeah. right after. Yeah. I think That's that what I had was... always heard rumors that they, they like had the movie and they were making a different, or they were making, you know, it was the movie still, but that whole ending, the last like half hour of the movie was all, uh, they like came up with it because it happened and they're like, we have to shoot this. Oh, it has yeah. to be in the movie. Interesting. Yeah. I'll he read some articles. He died May, uh, May 2nd, 2011. This movie came out. Um, December 2012. Wow. So yeah, wow. probably were, they, they must out. have been have started started filming at that point. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. a good pick. Um, wow, cool, great pick, Sean. Honestly, that wasn't even like on my radar, but it's a fantastic movie. Uh, mm. Great. Um, 
Cool. Well, my number my number five is probably as far opposite of Zero Dark Thirty as you can get. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and honestly, it's like after like Derek was talking earlier about the cabin in the woods and how you can't really compare it because it's such a personal favorite movie and it doesn't even deserve to go on my list, whatever you're saying, Derek. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, of course it does. It's your list. My number five is Jim Jarmusch's Patterson. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I love this movie so much. It's one of my all time, like most rewatched movies, even, even though it only came out like 2016, I think. It's a movie that I can just turn on at literally any moment, and it makes me feel good. And uh, I just love sitting around hanging out with these people. It inspires me creativity, creatively. It, it inspires me to be uh, a good person. It inspires me to just, like, appreciate a simple life through mindfulness. Um, I love the characters. I love the people in Paris and New Jersey. I love... The how the dog is the villain of the movie, and he's just like this cute <laughs> little dog. Um, I love how barely anything happens in this movie, and they just like sit around writing poetry all day. Like I just, I just love it so much. Um, it's a movie about poetry and New Jersey, and it's just completely up my alley. Um, and I, I just, I just love it so much. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's my number five. I f- uh, yeah, I was I genuinely like- curious. Go ahead, Brandon. I was genuinely curious if you were going to have two Jim Jarmusch movies in here with only lovers left alive. Right. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, 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 I kind of made a thing that I'm not going to put two directors of the, of the same, I'm not going to put two of the same director on there. Yeah, yeah. There's just too many good movies to include two of the same director. No offense that you guys did, but like, I just was like, I'm not going to do that. But, um, yeah, only lovers left alive could have been my horror movie, but also that same kind of thing where it's not really even a horror movie as much either. But um, yeah, Jim Jarmusch is great. So, Nick, I'm I'm curious what you think. Do you think the mediocrity of the of the poetry of this movie is like is important? Are you saying that like he's to, not a good poet? So, <laughs> no, like, I think he's a. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting into it. Like, I I think that uh, yeah, I think he's a, a mediocre poet, and I think that's like so beautiful. And I think we may have talked about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of his thing is that like, I think part of his thing is that like anyone could be a poet. Anyone could be an artist. I think that's kind of part of the movie. And I think it's like pretty, you know, mm-hmm. clear that, um, he, throughout the movie he's reading, um, he's reading a book of lost poems by his favorite poet, um, um, blanking on his name, I'm not gonna be able to remember it. But he's reading, uh, he's reading the, the early works from his favorite poet. So it's kind of, it's kind of reflective of like hmm. he could be like a starting out, like maybe someday he'll be a lot better. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I do think that's kind of part of it. I, I don't think he's a bad poet though. Mm-hmm. I do think his poems are no, really no. I fun. think he's and yeah. I think that's there's like a kind of a beautiful message there that like the mediocrity of his poetry and like, but, but at the same time, it's mostly just for him. And, and because of that, there's, there's so much meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just really like that message of the movie. Totally. Um, number four, let's do our number fours. Brandon, here we What's go. What's your number yep. four? 
right. Yep. My number four is A Separation. I made you guys watch this, I think, a year ago for uh, winning some Correct. kind of competition. Mm-hmm. One <laughs> some of them. wager or something. Um, this is, to me, the drama of all dramas. It is just people yelling, screaming, shouting at each other under and twisting and conniving and being so ruthless and so horrible. But everything, all the twists, all the turns and why everyone's doing everything, like why all the characters are doing exactly what they're doing makes sense for what they need to accomplish and them trying to do what is right for their situation. And at the bottom of it is their daughter who is just completely suffering through the backdrop of these two parents going through a separation and divorce. Um, this is a Iranian film and this is the only film on my list that I actually saw well after the fact. I think I didn't see this till like 2016 or something and it came out in 2011. But I think this is one of the best dramas ever made. Mm. And that director, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's done a bunch of other really amazing dramas. Like he's, yeah, Asgar for Hardy. Okay. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. he he's on point with uh, his movies before and after this. Um, great, uh, good choice, Brandon. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that. It was it is a great movie. Um, I I kind of forgot that it came out this decade, though. Honestly, yeah, so, early early it came out 2011. 2011. Cool. On the Oscar. Derek, what is your number four? My number four is David Fincher's The Social Network. Damn. Ooh. Nice. Nick? Uh-huh. Wait. Um, what? Uh, I, oh, so someone someone probably someone shares the movie. Should punt, this according slot. to my notes. <laughs> well, unless someone shares it, like. Um, in the so same slot? I don't know if this it? is allowed, but I actually made a last-minute change while we were recording, and I was hoping I could. Mm. S- I was hoping no one would notice, but I uh, uh, I, I pulled the social network off. It's already notes. in the notes, Nick. Well, oh, okay. I just uh, okay. I don't know. I I realized I was forgetting something. I think that's fair. You can do that. I, I was I I mean like honestly, there isn't much of a difference between like five and. 18 you know like they're all pretty close and so like right when I realized I forgot a movie that was in my top five I was like I'm sorry I I, I gotta take off the social network and I mean it just it just happened so I'm sorry it's a great movie and I wish it was I wish it was that high just it just didn't it just didn't happen I'm sorry no worries all right so social network this is my favorite David Fincher film um, it's it's weird that this of all the movies that he's made, of all these amazing films he's made, the movie he made about Facebook is like <laughs> his best movie, at least in my opinion. But um, God, this movie just like it's so like if you're a fan of David Fincher, it's usually his style has a big part of that. All of his, he has a very distinct style and all of his movies kind of follow that. I think like his style combined with, uh, Aaron Sorkin's dialogue and Jesse Eisenberg's like cold, like performance. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And he's just able to deliver these lines like a robot and like, it's just so freaking good. And it's like one of those movies that the dialogue is exciting 
Like when you're watching like Mad Max and there's explosions going off and your heart's beating like that happens when they're in the courtroom in this movie for me. Like it's just it's just so biting and so like uh, passive aggressive, but like like in the most like gut wrenching way possible when he's just like yeah. <laughs> destroying opening, people with words so quickly scene in that movie. The opening scene and the dialogue there is just like one of the best openers of all time. Just the, yeah. the way they go back yeah. and forth and how so honest and brutal and realistic they are to each other is, it yeah. just sets a tone for, for all of what you just said. And yeah. how much, how many ideas and themes and pieces of characterization that that opening scene sets up for, to come back later in the film is like such a, a an economical piece of filmmaking or piece mm-hmm. of writing. Sean, was this on your top ten? No, it's right there. Oh, okay, well, yeah. it was on my top ten, guys, mm-hmm. and uh, it was my number eight. And oh, this is to me David Fincher's, I guess, best film, and he is just one of the best directors mm-hmm. ever. And like you said, Derek, there's just like a trifecta happening of just perfect directing, writing, and acting that just cannot be beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and mixed with Trent Reznor's yeah. insane score. Mm-hmm. I remember when this movie was like announced and I didn't really know much because it was such an early movie in the decade. It was like, it was almost cringy. Like, why are they making a movie about Facebook? This is going to be so like cheesy and bad. And my God, we were wrong. <laughs> Fun fact, I wasn't on Facebook until after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> remember the trailer but, uh, for this movie and how it had uh, the Radiohead song, Creep? Yeah. But like not by Radiohead. And oh, it was I like, a, it was like an orchestra and it was like showing pictures of everyone. Like, ah, oh, yeah, just so chilling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's really, really yeah. good. It's a great. Yeah, film. really sorry about that, guys. I, I'm, yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm really sorry that happened. I just, um, <laughs> I had like a list on my note, and then when I was putting into Letterboxd, I like I missed a movie, and I noticed around number eight, and um, at that point, like, it was just too close. But tell us the movie when you get there. Um, yeah, it's coming the up. The movie they replaced. Yeah, yeah that's to keep going. Well, um, yeah. it was Patterson. It was oh, Patterson. Okay. Yeah, it was Patterson. Uh, Patterson was your... S- was my number oh, five. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, yep. Right. Um, the social out. network would have been at number six, though. Like, that's where it was going to be. But then... I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. Um... Great movie, sure. though. Good pick, Brandon and Derek. I'm super happy it's so high on your list. Um, where are we at? Uh, Sean, what is your number four? <clears throat> My number four is Black Swan. Oh. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Um, yeah, man. Talk about a unique horror film. Um, it is... Yeah, it still stands out to me as one of the most chilling movies I've ever seen. Uh, the psychological breakdown of this movie is uh, fucking brilliant. And uh, the performance of Natalie Portman's performance in this movie is, uh, yeah, kind of, I guess, put her on the map for me, at least. Uh, I know she's been really good in other movies, but this was really the first um, incredible performance that I saw her in. Um, uh, 
and yeah, um, Darren Aronofsky is uh, one of the best filmmakers of of you know the last twenty years, and I think this is you know obviously I think this is one of his his best films, if not his best. Um, yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll I'll commit to it. I think it's his best film, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Just own it. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's horrifying too. It's like like the the twisted psychological journey that it takes you on, um, and the cinematography is incredible, and um, the the detail that this movie uh, is shot in, and like the nuance of of the detail of like not, not only just the dancing and um, how they portray the dancing, um, which it uh, is like entirely convincing throughout the entire movie. Like I never, you know, like you can tell sometimes that, you know, you have a professional actor or a professional dancer dancing in these shots where you can't see their face. But the way that this movie does it, like with the as if the camera is almost dancing with the with the the actor and like the choreography of that is just so incredible. And it's just it's entirely convincing. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's haunting it. Uh, and yeah, I loved it. Loved the movie. Great, great pick. pick, Sean. Yeah, great pick. Loved Darren Aronofsky. Great movie. Um, surprised. I didn't know you loved this movie so much, but uh, yeah. it's cool that's so high. <laughs> it's really awesome. Um, cool. My number four uh, was uh, Parasite. So, uh, Damn. Yeah. This was a pun so from good. Derek, Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. we, yes. we, we've been talking about this movie a lot. You know, it just won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, which was a big surprise for us. Um, super happy it won, though. Um, just the, I feel like this movie has so much to say about um, class structure and families and um, all sorts of different things. But it, it also, for me, it balances being a super hilarious and like a social satire with being like super intense and like unforgettable. And, um, yeah, I, I just think this movie's really special. And, you know, I said it after we, after I watched the first time that I felt like I just watched a classic and, you know, I stick by that. You know, I, I felt like that was truly a classic. So yeah. Uh, Parasite's my number four. You can, I like every day I open up YouTube and there's a new, essay about parasite like every single day <laughs> everybody has so much to say about this movie and it's really cool it's like that's that's freaking awesome it's like it's mm. this foreign movie and it's just not that's not a common thing yeah for a movie like that yep. to be this it's a hot topic right now yeah yeah john just watched it on an airplane today. <laughs> yeah Flying back to seattle <laughs> Nice. So, top threes. Brandon, what is your number three? All right. My number three is Roma. Uh, This is Mm. directed by Alfonso Cuaron. um, And this movie came out in 2018. Netflix film. Sean, I was thinking you were going to put it somewhere on here. But I'm (laughs) all alone here. (laughs) <laughs> I was like waiting for Not you. Really? Um, <clears throat> um, yeah, just didn't. Okay. Didn't quite do it. <clears throat> um, all right. What to say about Roma? Yeah, 
I just went to Mexico City end of last year. I saw the house that Roma was shot in. This movie moved me in ways very few films have throughout this year, throughout this decade. Um, there are just some of the most remarkable, sweeping set pieces in a drama film you will ever see. Um, and <clears throat> what uh, Alf- what Alfonso Cuaron... Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alfonso okay. Cuaron shot this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here waiting. He won, like, for, he won for be Best Cinematography for it. Emmanuel Lebeski for a second. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm reading the Wikipedia. Now, what Alfonso Cuaron did with the cinematographer of this film is just absolutely insane. And he puts together these just glorious, massive moments um, on screen, um, all the way down to the most intimate, personal, horrifying uh, moments in like hospital rooms that you never get to be a part of or ever get to witness or feel what they're feeling. Um, this movie is absolutely in my top three, and I'll never forget it. That was a very, very impressive movie. It's one thing I remember about it. It's like that mm-hmm. shot, like the riots. That's that shot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's shot like an and, epic. It's it's a and there's it's just a quiet like twenty of those. Yeah. yeah, it's a quiet drama that is a quiet personal drama that's shot like an epic. And yeah, there's there's nothing else like it. It's pretty amazing. There's a new documentary about the making of it on Netflix, and um, it's oh. it also just became cool. part of the Criterion Collection, which is interesting because um, it's the first Netflix original that's released like on home video, and um, mm-hmm. obviously through the Criterion Collection mm-hmm. that means like it's super like they super respect it and everything, so um, it's pretty awesome. Um, that's cool. The artwork on the case Good is super him. beautiful. Good pick, Brandon. I'm glad it's so high. I, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Derek, you're number three. All right. <clears throat> so this is my, <laughs> this is my movie that I'm championing, championing, championing. This, yeah. This is uh, my number three pick is uh, Bong Joon Ho's Okja. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> this. No. You yeah. said. On the last episode, that <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> you, you said, said Derek. Was his best film. <laughs> I said it is his best film. It's not my favorite of his movies. Oh, tricky. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, Okja is just like it's such a weird movie, but it. Um, I feel like I just talked about it. Did I talk about it recently? Maybe not, but anyways, it on the last episode. it's just such a, it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of a fantasy, like semi like futuristic, but also kind of just like a, I don't know, an alternative reality. I don't really know what you, what you call this kind of movie, but, um, it's just so weird and filled with such interesting and like, uh, off the wall characters, um, and Bong Joon Ho doesn't like ever falter in his uh, filmmaking. Like you know, he wrote and directed this movie, and it's just it's such a it's such a unique. Out of all his movies, I feel like this one fits the least, at least the ones I've seen. This is his most like comedic at times, um, and also probably the most drastically shifting tones. I feel like. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it could, at points, it feels like a cartoon. It's so silly. And then it'll jump to like horrifying things that are happening on screen right in front of you. And um, I think just like the ballsiness and willingness to like the willingness to believe that that will work and then just like committing to it and uh, telling the movie, this movie the way they did. Um, I don't know. It was like the second, the second it got over, I was just like, I think right when it got over, I went on letterbox and <laughs> changed my top four movies, you know, that you have on there. And I added it to that list. It was just like, Wow. I couldn't believe how happy and excited I was having just watched that movie. Just how it just like checked every box for me. It really just like, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like the, everything I wanted it to happen. It was just so exciting. So that's really awesome, Derek. Um, Mm. earlier this week, um, I heard, uh, teenage girl in the cafeteria tell her friend that she just watched a random movie on Netflix called Okja and she's never (laughs) going to eat meat again because of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, great movie. And she was like, Oh my God, you've seen it. I was like, yeah, I've seen it. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, great pick. Super surprised. It's that high. You, you got us. You got us. It might be the biggest controversy of, of the top (laughs) tens. Maybe we'll see though. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, Sean, what's your number three? My number three is Mad Max Fury Road. Punt. Punt. Yes. Wow. Cool. Was that, how many punts was that? Is Brandon not punting Mad Max? Hmm? Sound like how that. many punts was that? <laughs> it was two. at least two. Um, at okay, least so. two. <laughs> In the top three. Yes. Wow. Um, okay, so number three for me is Boyhood. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I love Boyhood. Um, you know, this is Richard Licklinger's film, uh, which he shot over, what was it, 13 years? He did a little bit. 12, yeah. 12 mm, years. 12. Yeah. And uh, he shot a little bit of it at a time, and it was the story of this boy growing up. And... Um, I think it's it's reasonable to say this movie is a gimmick, except I think that it wouldn't have worked with anyone other than Richard Linklater. Linklater is the key, is the king of like hang out and talk movies. Like his dialogue is has always been super amazing. Look at the before films, but he also knows how to set a tone. Um, and you watch like Dazed and Confused and uh, other movies, like he's he clearly knows what he's doing, but. Um, he he's really amazing at capturing the essence of of uh, the characters and the world that they're in, and um, by coming back to the subject matter every few years, I, I really don't think anyone else would have been able to fully like capture the the changing of someone's life the way that he does it. I mean, he he's kind of doing the same thing with the before movies, but like those are ten years apart on each one, um, but. I just thought that boyhood was so true and so emotional. And it was to me like the like epitome of a coming of age story. So, um, yeah, boyhood's my number three. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever going to be a movie like this again. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, totally. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, moving on to number twos. All right. Brandon, what's your number two? My number two is, as we mentioned before, Leviathan. Uh-huh. Nice. Okay. This is another movie I made you guys watch two years <laughs> ago when I won another award. Um, this is the movie um, this director made, um, Andre Z, whatever his last name is. He made right before Loveless. And it is everything I said about Loveless and its craft, plus a story that just goes so much further. Um, to me, this just feels like the godfather like when i sit down and watch it of like russian catholicism and you know russian mobsterness i guess uh, and corruption um i watched this movie on a plane and like i just remember experiencing this looking down at my phone at them <laughs> like for those two hours just could not believe what i was watching and I'm so glad I discovered this director because he does everything for me when I watch his films. Um, yeah, I think just the comparison to the... I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but the comparison to The Godfather just really says a lot to me. And I think that is the closest I can put it. So if you like that, if you like The Godfather, which everyone <laughs> does, go see this movie. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah, this movie's great. Uh, very very existential, very much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would compare it to The Godfather, but yeah, great, yeah. great, great choice, though. Um, very, very beautiful, too. Like, the way the movie shot is just fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you have it so high on there, Brandon. That's that's true to, true to you. <laughs> I can't believe you watched it on a plane for your first time, though. I, I had no idea that... No. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, 2014. Oh, boy. So, um, cool. Well, um, where are we at? Derek, what is your number two? My number two is Mad Max Fury Road. Cool. That's also my number two. Yeah. Sweet. Got it. Yes. Uh, the number ones are now. You do? Oh, of course. What? Really? What? Keep going. Um, no idea. I mean, this. I feel like Parasite's going through like a Mad Max thing right now, where it's just like everybody talked about Mad Max. Everyone still talks about Mad Max mm-hmm. Fury Road. It's just mm-hmm. one of those, one of those things where it's like, it's. I don't know. It's like it's it's weird when you look at movies like that are considered the greatest movies ever made. You know, you look at like The Godfather. And like Citizen Kane and stuff. And then you look at like Mad Max Fury Road and it's completely different, like in every way. There's no comparison to those movies in any way. But at the same time, I hold it with the same kind of like I put it right up there with one of the best movies ever made. And it's just because it's everything about it feels impossible to me. Nothing that I see in that movie doesn't look like it's on Earth. It doesn't look like anything. These, It's like, it's just pure imagination. And I mean, I guess the only thing is, you know, we got cars. There's a lot of cars and guns and stuff and like humans. that. And humans. And humans, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like post-apocalyptic. And so it's just, it's just, it's crazy that 
that movie is just so good. It was like between that movie and Blade Runner 2049, I think kind of go hand in hand because they're both like sequels that were like 30 years in between the last movie, you know? And um, whatever it is about, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to really say about the movie. It's just, it's like, there's not, it's not like a meaty, uh, like movie where there's a lot of like themes to talk about. There are stuff to talk about, but more than anything, it's just like a feat of filmmaking that's just mm-hmm. so spectacular. And it's like, it's not even like nobody else can pull off these stunts. It's like nobody else has the creative vision to make a movie like this work, like George Miller does. Mm-hmm. And it's just like finally. Like, you know, probably at the end of his career, like technology and like money and like him and like everything finally like met up at this pinnacle where it's just like this movie freaking came out and it's the best looking movie I've ever seen. And it's just it's incredible. Yeah, Derek, I, I agree. This movie is. But the, and pretty much everything you said it's like it's super gorgeous it's to me it's probably the best action movie I've ever seen like it's yeah. just it's create, creative on another level it's just unbelievable what happens in that movie I kind of want to push back a little bit about how you said there aren't a lot of themes because I think I think there's not a lot of plot but no, yeah I, I do think that I do think that in in the in the little amount of plot that there is in the movie, they do explore a lot of different themes, like you know, greed, corruption, um, hope, escape, you know, like um, just survival. And uh, mm-hmm. what do you do in the face of it? Like what? There's even like little bits of like feminism in there, you know. Like there's that there's that scene where they're where he like just kind of nonchalantly hands the gun to um, Furiosa. And it's like, it's not like, it's not a big deal. It's not like a big moment. Like, you know, you know, feminism, rah, rah. It's like, no, you're just a better shot than me. So you should take the shot. And, um, but that is something important. Like that's, that, that's huge. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think that the movie explores a lot of concept with the little plot that it does have. For sure. And it, it just firing it on all cylinders. Like, holy moly, this movie just just non-stop um yeah there are certain shots i think about just all the time like that yeah. that hopelessness shot where they're you know they're they're putting everything they have into a certain hope and then they get there and it's gone and charlie's theron on late like oh like, on her knees, puts her knees like, on the yeah. ground yeah and, su- and the the wind the wind is blowing mm-hmm. the sand and it's just like it just every it's all the feels you know it's it's mm-hmm. everything um yeah such a this movie. is this is an absolute masterpiece. Um, it's so dense. It's, uh, and so economical and efficient with its storytelling and like every, just about every piece of characterization and everything you know about the world and the plot and the, the characters and the themes is all embedded in these insanely elaborate and intense and fun action sequences and um it's a master class of setups and payoffs um in a very like um subtle way and uh in a way that doesn't really draw attention to itself 
Um, like so many subtle things throughout the movie uh, are set up and pay off. And then like, like that as a whole, but then within each individual action sequence, there's so many little like, like following of specific objects throughout this action sequence and understanding um, so quickly with um, such economical uh, shots and editing, like you're able to follow this insanely complex action and, and objects and people and um, have it all come together and work um, and be un- understandable. Uh, or I, I said un- understandable, but it meant understandable. Um, yeah. uh, and it's like you compare like this to a, a mo- other movies that cut really fast or other movies that are really intense and, and close-ups and shaking and, and um, shaky cam and everything. Um, but this movie does all that with such elegance and such a great understanding of how to shoot action uh, that it, that the, I feel like that is what puts it up there for me. Um, and yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. It's incredible piece of cinema. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. Uh, wonderful, wonderful pick. Um, yeah. So it's none of our number ones, but like, no, Wait, wow, so Sean and Brandon don't even have it on their list. So Sean had it. No, early. I had it number Sean three. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sean needs to do his number yeah, two. Yeah, I need to do number two. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, has anyone noticed what Sean's uh, buzzword of the day is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Economical. Economical. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we all... Right. Uh, okay, so Sean, what, Sean, what is your number two? <laughs> My number two is 12 Years a Slave. Mm. Mm, wow. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. 12 Years a Slave, again, is a, is a masterpiece, much like uh, a lot of these movies. Um, it's, you know, I've only seen two Steve McQueen, or no, I guess I've seen three Steve McQueen movies. Um, and he is a filmmaker that has such an incredible understanding of the craft and is able to use the language of film unlike anyone else working today. Uh, He's an absolute uh, master of his craft and he, there's so many brilliant shots in this movie that um, are Uh, you know, heart wrenching and hard to watch and brutal. Um, Yet he's, he's such, uh, he does such an incredible job of, of uh, like making, making you feel everything that he can squeeze out of a shot or a scene. Um, And it's very economical. Um, (laughs) Of course. uh, Of course it's economical. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a highly emotional film. Um, it's, it's hard to watch. Uh, I feel like, uh, that's a theme with him. He, uh, he makes mm-hmm. a lot of hard movies to watch. Um, and, um, yeah, he's just, he's, he's a master of his craft. There's so, such great performances in this, in this movie. And, um, 
Was that? Yeah. Lupita. Uh, yes. Nyong'o. Was that her first movie? Oh, I don't know. She got nominated, I think, for that movie. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Great choice, Sean. Uh, I wasn't that was her first it, movie. But, Steve um, McQueen. Yeah, great choice, though. Um, great. So, so my number two was Mad Max Fury Road. So we're going to our number ones, which Brandon has declared that he knows everyone's already. So, <laughs> so yeah. Brandon's going to tell so us Brandon's all. Gonna, you guys know. Brandon's going to go over it really So quick. Brandon. Just kidding. We know what so Brandon, Brandon you guys can I know what Brandon's number one is, I think. Brandon, you love to play this game yeah. of uh, figuring it out. What, what, what you got to be, be one step ahead. But it's cool. It's cool. Um, your number I one. I have no idea what Brandon is. My number one is The Great Beauty. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. This is Paolo Sorrentino's <laughs> film. Um, we all watched this together. Yeah. Um, well, it's my my second or third time seeing it, but we all watched this together for you guys' first. It was really fun. Right. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is, this movie came out in 2013. It's an Italian film. It won Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards. This was my top film of that year and the top film of the decade. This is... One of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my entire life, and I cannot say that enough about it. Like, I I could just like put this film on mute and just watch it. And in fact, I've I've seen the opening like twenty minutes many many times. It is so fascinating just to dissect and to see what this filmmaker can put on screen. Um, this movie like really moves me. It has such a unique uh, like mood and style like between like comedy and sarcasm and just really high art visuals. Um, But it just like is a really beautiful story about this one man and it's so personal about um, him growing old, um, having written a book 30 years prior and living this kind of lavish lifestyle in the middle of Rome. Um, And the journey it takes you on just really, really gets to you and me. And by the end, it just makes me feel everything. So, The Great Beauty is my number one film of the decade. Wow. It's a good pick. There's a lot of movies on your list that you've made us watch already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Great great movie. Yeah. Uh, I I figured it was coming. When it wasn't on there, Mm -hmm. I was like, I think that's got to be his number one. So. I totally, I didn't even know that movie came out this decade. I totally, totally didn't even think about that movie. Great. So, um, great pick, Brandon. Brandon. You're number one. Yep. What's my number one, Brandon? Yeah, Brandon. You gotta say it. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Uh-huh. It's Nicholas Wending Refn's Drive. It's my number one movie for the decade. Nice. Um you made us watch this, Derek. This is one you showed us. I know. I remember you saw it in theaters all alone, and you're like, guys, I discovered this film. <laughs> we Brandon, had no idea what you were talking Brandon, about. Do you remember being at Comic-Con? And I don't, this is such a small thing that happened when we were waiting for like Peter Jackson to come out. Nicholas Wending Refn came out, and he showed us the elevator scene from this movie, and that's it, in no context about anything. Do you remember that? Spoiler alert. <laughs> that's all he showed. And then he just walked off stage. 
What? I was like, what the <laughs> hell was that? And then Peter Jackson comes <laughs> out. And then, like, yeah, Peter Jackson came out and stuff. But, uh, wow. yeah, it was, that was, like, the introduction to this movie. And then I, yeah, I went and saw it and um, blew me away. Uh, this movie, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. But it's, like, it's kind of, yeah. I don't know, it's hard for me to describe it because I feel like it, it kind of... It exists in like it does a bunch of like things that other movies do a lot, and I think it's just the way that he put them all together in this movie is why I like him so much. It's kind of it's like a mob movie, um, but it's also kind of a love story, and um, but really it's the music and the way this movie's put together, the way they display violence in this movie. And, um, and I think it just, me seeing it at an influential time in my life, it just like, it literally has affected, uh, my taste in music just in general across the board. I like different music because of this movie. Um, I, it like has just, it's also been one of those movies that is always popping up in my head. Just, I've probably watched different scenes from this movie close to a hundred times. I've seen the movie like 10 times and it just, it's got so many just different moments that, um, just imprinted themselves so firmly in my brain. That's like, it's hard for me to pick and say what, what it does better than all these other movies. But the one thing I know is that I, it stays with me and, um, every time I watch it, I love it more and more. And, um, yeah, it's just it's an awesome movie. It's my number that, one. That's great, Derek. Such a Derek pick. Yeah, yeah. Derek, <laughs> I I wanted to put it on my top ten. Like that was my number one of the year when uh, twenty eleven. Um, yeah, I really wanted it to be on there, but I just I just couldn't justify having three car movies <laughs> on my top ten. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, it's so great. I think about that opening scene like all the time. Just yeah. Whenever I'm driving, <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so good. I'm really happy you have it. So, so much I. style and yeah, pizzazz. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Sean, okay. your on, number one. Brandon, what's my number one? <laughs> I know it. It's obvious. Is it? Go for so it. Obvious. Yeah. My number one is oh, Arrival. Wait. Oh. Oh yeah, you oh. planted this. Should have no. known. Brandon, no. No. <laughs> no. Oh shit. No. I know a next no, number. Go, one. Do it again. <laughs> Alright, keep going. No. Uh, it's not my... actually. <laughs> uh yeah, my uh number number one is arrival. Um two Villeneuve. Oh. Yeah, till vil- two Villeneuve's. Um this movie is, yeah, an incredible piece of cinema. Um, I rewatched it somewhat recently, and um, it this movie has the power to break me. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, like, I had to take, like, a good 20, 30 minutes of just laying there in an, emotion, in an emotional mess um, to get over this movie. Um it has so much to say about humanity and it's such an, 
a positive, optimistic, has such a positive and optimistic view on life and what we go through and why we go through it. And, um, yeah, such an incredible message of hope. And, um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, and there's just there's so many great ideas, and it's such a fun and interesting and unique sci-fi premise um, to tell this story. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of subtle, and it doesn't, you know, the the ending is is not, <clears throat> you know, a super climactic uh, sci-fi movie ending, but it's um, it's such an emotional ride and. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a masterful piece of, of filmmaking, um, all around. And I loved this movie. Um, every time I, I love this movie, every time I watch it. You say anticlimactic, but that ending twist just really yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. I, I was it's more like talking not, about like, yeah, as far like as sci-fi, sci-fi goes. Yeah. It's like yeah. not a sci-fi like action climax, but yeah, man, the right. the the, the climax though is like really amazing. It like trips you mm-hmm. out and oh yeah. For, for me sure. it's one of those movies that's clearly smarter than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, like it doesn't feel the need to like over explain itself. It just uh it just happens. And it's like wow, powerful. Like just it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, is, sure. this is my number my number mm-hmm. eight. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you, Sean. It's my favorite Villeneuve movie I've seen so far, too, mm-hmm. um, by quite a bit. It was my number one movie of 2016, and uh, yeah, very powerful. Mm-hmm. I just started reading the screenplay yesterday, actually. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wonderful arrival number number one for Sean. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, my number one was punted from earlier, so yeah, you should know what it is. But uh, yep. it's the Tree of Life, the Tree of Life. Wow, um, good one. I just I love this movie. I think it's the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Maybe it's up there. Um, it just it's just jaw dropping. It. Uh, has so much to say about the world and being a human and has big feelings and sweeping shots and it's just it's just it's just so great like it's it's one of those things where like there's no way he could tackle that whole subject like earth and the universe and humans and how we all tie together and um no he 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 explores it he certainly does and it's uh it's just super beautiful and you know it's a Terrence Malick thing where it's really meditative and you just you just soak it in and it's it's wonderful so um yeah this is my it, number nine pick Terrence Malick's masterpiece mm. I don't have much to add but <laughs> my god it's a good film yeah yeah totally it's it's super totally great. agree with that um Wow, our lists were really all over the place, though, guys. Like we were, yeah. we, there really yeah. were yeah. not that many crossovers. Um, I mean, Sean, Seven you're gonna crossovers. run the numbers right now, and then mm-hmm. you know we'll see. Um, there's gonna be a lot of ties, and in my opinion, yeah. ties should go. Ties should go first to the movie that has more 
people picking it if there are mm-hmm. any double picks and um maybe then to the second tiebreaker being like the higher ranked movie for for whoever um so like if it's like a number two being would go higher than you know a number three or something that that's just my mm-hmm. opinion but um mm-hmm. i don't know do you want to run the numbers and see how it turns out yeah let's see um here we go crunch him wow. well we have a clear front runner for sure yeah. <clears throat> yes. Are you guys looking at it? Obviously. No. No. I'm no, waiting for you this time. No. Right. Right. Give it to me, Sean. Well, let's see. So, well, it's you know what? It's not. It's not terrible. It's not too bad. Um, Can you like make some judgment calls? Yeah, and Just like break it down really quick. Like. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think, uh, and then maybe um, the ties we can we can discuss. There's three ties, and it's only they're only two way ties. So okay. maybe we can just. Talk about them and, and pick it. Okay, so what's, no, the, gonna be what's the top tie? All right, so the we'll start with 10. Um, number 10 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Eight points. Yeah. Um, with two lists. Good job, Spider-Man. Yeah, two lists. Uh, number nine, 12 Years a Slave. Nice. Uh, and that is tied with Leviathan with nine points. Yep, two and two. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both nine points. Um, I don't know. Do we want to break that down and pick a winner or oh. something? Is that how we're doing this, Nick? Uh, that's that's pretty hard. I forgot that it was like okay, so you're <laughs> yeah. both at number two. Yeah. I feel like the uh-huh. third tiebreaker would be like, have we all yeah. seen the movie? I guess we have all seen uh, yeah. both yeah. of those movies, right? Uh, maybe we should just yep. leave it as like that's that's number nine. Okay. We're only tie- in yeah. We're only in the, not even the top five yet. So let's leave that one. Those are tied at eight. We Then we have another tie. Um, so tied at 10 are Drive and the Great Beauty, both number one picks. Well, that's easy. Both we've all seen. <laughs> hey, fuck yeah. off, Derek. Yeah, we've all seen both. <laughs> Just kidding, Brandon. <laughs> um. Should we move on, or do we want to break that one down? Yeah, tied at six. All right, tied at six. And then number five is with 11 points, we have the social network. And that is not a tie. And then this one we should – oh, this will be a great great discussion. Um, so then we have a tie for third place, uh, the Tree of Life and Parasite, both with 13 points, both on two lists. Um, although Nick had Tree of Life at number one and Parasite yeah. was at best it goes to Tree of Life number yeah, five, I guess. Life, I think. Yeah. 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 All right. So it's then, like one, yeah, one Parasite beats at, four five, mm-hmm. right? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. 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 I think so. Parasite's number four. The Tree of Life is uh, number three, and then that's we don't have any more ties. So number two, oh, number two movie is Arrival. And number one is Mad Max Fury Road with a clear lead. points. Wow. Brandon has a feel to yeah. be the only one that didn't put Mad Max on. on was uh, it in your, your in your list. like discussion? It feels great. Yeah, it was my uh, top. It was my number thirteen. Oh, okay. If you want to know, but uh, yeah. it's all good. 
Here's some. Here's a fun fact about our top ten. Derek had the most movies on his list from our combined top ten. Oh, that is interesting. He had six. Brandon had five. So Derek bridged the gap. And I had Sean four. Nick had three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. On our combined top ten. Yeah, from our combined top ten, Derek had six. On his list, Brandon five, me four, Nick three. No double directors on there. Huh? Um, let's see. Yeah, Leviathan, Loveless. Were they both on there? Well, they weren't uh, on, on the top, top ten. ten. Uh, Oakja. Paris. Oh, on the top ten. Sorry. Yeah. No. Nope. Nope. No. No. No, no double no. directors. There was some close ones, I guess. There's actually, you know what? I kind of lied. Spider Man. Wait a minute. Why did I say that? Spider-Man is tied. There's a four-way tie for number 10. <laughs> all uh, with all of our number, what? what is that? Four five. picks? It's my number five. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, Spider, I guess then Spider-Man would win because it's on two lists. So never right. mind. Right. It, yeah, Spider-Man wins. Cool. All right. Let's well, great. Uh, great decade, guys. Um, you know, uh, so good episode. Uh, thanks for doing this. It was really fun going yeah. over reviewing the decade with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. Next month, we will go over, we'll get back into the groove of things and do um, February and March movies. Um, there's a few ones that have come out. February was super slow. I don't know if there has been any movies that we would really have covered this month. But, mm-hmm. um, but so combining in February, March, hopefully we'll have some good ones to talk about to recommend and, you know, treat each other. So, um, with that, uh, I think we should sign off and, uh, say good night. So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.